Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Coming up, Dr. David Clark joins us this hour. Join the conversation, 800-555-7898. Hey, we're glad to have you with us on this Valentine's Day morning here. And as we talk with Dr. David Clark a little bit later this hour, we're going to uh, talk about the unfortunate side that sometimes those Valentines that we married turned out not to be uh, such loving people after all. Mm. Unfortunately, people do end up in abusive circumstances and situations and relationships. And what do you do then? So I'm very aware that as the world celebrates love and as we rightfully celebrate Valentine's Day, that today could potentially be a pain point day for a lot of people. Those who are single and wish they weren't. Those who are not single but maybe wish they were. And so this is a, as as the world is celebrating love, very aware that there may be some hurting people today. So we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that this hour, but do you know the origin of Valentine's day? You know, there's something to do with a St. Valentine somewhere. Yep. So yeah. There's a number of, uh, <laughs> That's you know, what I know. <laughs> a number of prevailing opinions as to exactly how it started. But uh, the most popular story uh-huh. is that there was an emperor, Claudius II, who decided that uh, he was not going to allow young men to marry because he thought that they would be better soldiers if they were single as opposed to being married. And St. Valentine thought if they're not allowed to get married, then they're going to be sneaking around doing stuff that they Mm -hmm. shouldn't be doing as single men. So he would marry them in secret and ended up losing his head as a result of that. Exactly. So So, it's not just a Hallmark holiday. It is not a Hallmark holiday. Wow. You know, I don't think that I'm searching the gray matter up there, but I don't think I ever knew that backstory on Valentine's Day. Now, that is the prevailing most popular story sure. of the whole thing. There are others, uh, people saying, no, it, it was actually uh, a, a response to the fact that there was this pagan festival that people would be um, doing, and, and it was like a fertility festival and all this. Oh, and so dear. this was a way that uh, the church of that day decided that they were going to try and curb some of that behavior mm-hmm. by placing St. Valentine's Day in the middle of February. Okay. But I, I think the previous story is probably... More accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, wherever you find yourself on this Valentine's Day, I- I'm just thinking about so many different things as you share that. One, you know, when when Israel was in battle, David stayed behind. But remember what he told, um, um, oh, my goodness, Uriah, is it, wasn't it? Uriah the Hittite? Yeah. That yeah. He said, you know, come home and be with your wife and all of these things. And he was like, no, 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 no. I'm in battle right now. I can't be doing all that stuff. I have to be consecrated to the to the battle at hand. And so it's interesting that that backstory on St. Valentine's Day is kind of what what's the focus when the when Israel would have been in war. So that that's interesting. The other thing that comes to mind is in Corinthians when the Lord's talking about it's better to be single for the sake of the gospel and we don't talk to that enough as the church to be encouraging our folks that are single uh, because, you know, it, we're a culture of relationship. And so sure. you just paramountly, I, I have my kids still, they, I, if I've taught them anything, I, I'm not sure it's all the right things, but I used to think that Valentine's Day was definitely singleness awareness day. And I think my kid, <laughs> kids have picked up on that. 
Yeah, they they got mm, that attitude. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that. So we've always tried to just, you know, make a little effort to say, hey, you are seen and you are loved every day. But we take a little extra care on Valentine's Day. Although nice. I'm not sure what we're doing for the sun. We have not. <laughs> I've got the girls taken care of. I don't know what to do for Mike and May. We'll see how that works out. The day's not over yet. So That's true. Early. Still early. That conversation, though, about the church and those Valentines that turn out to be complete duds, if you will. What do we do with that? And how does the church address that? We're going to talk to Dr. David Clark here in just moments. Right now, music from Ann Wilson. You can connect with Dr. Clark through our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the morning. Thanks for joining us on Moody Radio. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. We're glad you're here. Call or text 800-555-7898 and join the conversation. It might be a bit of a challenging conversation the rest of this hour here, but unfortunately, I think it's an important one for us to have. On this Valentine's Day, when the world is celebrating love, a lot of people are hurting today. And there's a uh, story that is on the, well, it's on Christianity Today. It was their cover story just a few days ago that kind of brought a problem that's happening within the church, big C, you know, uh, church, uh, to the surface. And that is that there are, unfortunately, many people who find themselves living in abusive situations. And you think, I should be able to go to my church. I should be able to go to my pastor and get some help. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's a, a prominent church in Southern California where people have been doing that for years. And they sometimes have even been publicly disciplined because they didn't want to go back home to their abuser like the church was counseling them to do so, using phrases like, well, you need to endure just as a missionary might endure persecution. You need to go back and endure what you're in, and maybe you'll win your spouse in some way. Now, one uh, one woman refused to take her husband back and Turned out her fears were true. Uh, He went to prison for child molestation and abuse. The church never retracted discipline, never apologized. And many other women have come forward since and said, you know, we experienced similar situations to this. This is just one church and one story. Unfortunately, this Mm -hmm. is a big problem in many, many uh, parts. Well, many churches, many places. So joining us to talk a little bit about how we can respond to this well and biblically is David Clark. David is a Christian psychologist, speaker, author of a number of books, including Enough is Enough, a step-by-step plan to leave an abusive relationship with God's help. David, welcome. It's uh, good to have you with us this morning. Sorry that we have to talk about this, though. Well, that's okay, Donna. Say, this is what I do. I talk to abused ladies all day long. Yeah. That's my thing. And so when you hear stories of women who recognize the fact, they finally get to the courage to say, I am in an abusive Mm -hmm. situation. I've gone to my church for help, and I'm told to go back home. How how do you respond to that? Oh, man, I I hear these stories all day long. This is a massive problem. Uh, Probably, in my experience, the majority of churches are just like this church in California. Very sad. So I wasn't surprised to see the article. Kudos to to CT for having the guts to publish it, yeah. because it's a nasty little secret. Uh, but man alive, these men are supposed to be shepherds, shepherds of the flock, caring for the sheep. And this is siding with the coyote, who's mm-hmm. ripping the sheep apart, literally. Wow. So all the ladies I talk to, they're not just going to leave their abusive narcissist. Oh, yes, they are. Uh, with the help of Enough is Enough and, and, and a support system, they're going to leave their church, too, very often because there's no help there. Not just no help. We're going to make it worse for you. We're going to end up abusing you. 
spiritually. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, David, when you go to your church and they say, hey, you've got to endure this like a missionary, you kind of get where they're coming from. But in the other way, it's like two totally different things to go back to an abusive situation and then compare yourself to somebody who may be on the foreign mission field and suffering abuse. Can you help us like parse this out? Yeah, it, it's it's beyond ridiculous, but it's what these people believe. I'm not sure if they're taught it in seminary, but it's like the old boys club. Men tend to believe this. It's a lie. As if our Heavenly Father, who created us in the womb to serve Him, He loves us, He's crazy about us, would ever countenance and tolerate not just weeks and months, but years of never-ending abuse. And He would say to you, you know what, now you made your bed, sorry, stay there. He says just the opposite in the Word of God. That's a serious sin. We confront that sin. If there is no repentance, we leave the sinner. That's what the Bible teaches very clearly. Submission has nothing to do with this scenario. Of, of a, we're talking about a monster like this guy in California. They're everywhere. They're destroying, destroying the woman and, frankly, destroying the kids. So, yeah, you get away from that person just as soon as you can. Now, it takes time build a support system, get strong enough, there, there's financial issues, there's the legal implications. Okay, it, it may take a while, but you've got to get away. That's the answer. Now, once you leave, if, if the abuser wants to repent and change and spend a year proving that, okay, maybe. It's very rare that they, a guy like this would ever do that. Women know in their gut, and of course, they're experiencing it. They know it's true, and they tell the church, and the church goes, tough, too bad, yeah. your fault, submit. Hang in there. We'll pray for you. You know, and David, you you bring up uh, a thing with the kids. You know, there may be women who are are saying, you know, and maybe wrongfully believing the idea of, I signed up for this, I'm going to endure. But you think about what that is modeling for the children. You think about the impact of, you know, the abuse that these kids are seeing and watching and maybe even themselves experiencing. And you've got to get to the point, as your book says, enough is enough. How do you know when enough is enough? Well, and the, and the kids are a major issue. I have to convince these ladies because we think, and the church will teach, staying is best for the kids. No, it's not. Not with a monster like this. Your little boys will grow up because of the modeling to disrespect women and abuse them. Your little girls will date and marry an abusive man. If you stay, and what's even worse than that is, is I, I see this over and over, that the adults, as they grow up in this home, if you tolerate, if you, if you put up with, they lose all respect for you, and they will turn on you, and they will side with the abuser. That's what's in the future. So we have to protect the children. If you leave, then at least half of the time, depending on what happens, and most of these narcs are not going to spend much time with the kid. They're going to move on. They, they, they'll, they'll fight for custody to look good and to save money. They're not going to spend that much time with the kids. But even if it's half the time, you can save those kids because you can control your own home now and love on them and teach them God's way, and they will be fine. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, it's hard for instinctively. No, I, I don't. Of course, they don't, no one wants to be divorced, and you're thinking the guy's going to change. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? No, he ain't going to change. David, when somebody, mostly they're women, yes, that are in the abusive situation? Yeah, yeah, 85, 90%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you recognize this is not the way it's supposed to be, but it is what you know. And oftentimes I think we stay in what we know because the unknown is just frightening. 
Can you help us understand that this is abuse and you've got to get yourself to safety? Oh, yeah. I, I refer to myself as the hammer. Not in the velvet glove, just the hammer. I, I, I'm trying to get these women's attention. I don't hold anybody's hand. I'm very direct. I think it's very loving because I'm trying to help them escape. But all that, all the resistance and the denial and the church's teaching, and of course the narc has brainwashed them as well. It, it's very, they're like caught in a tractor beam. They're controlled. But yeah, yeah, Don, it is. It's what's familiar. And they probably grew up that way. So it's like, this is just the way it's supposed to be. But when the light starts to dawn, it begins a process, could take a year, could take eight months. If it's emotional abuse, if it's physical, get out sooner, of course. But it's, it may take some time to gather your resources because you're going to face a tremendous backlash from the abuser when you leave. So you have to be ready for that. So that's why it takes time. That's why the Enough is Enough book covers very clearly the process and it's strengthening. It's under, educating the kids and building your support team and getting a job and getting ready. It takes time, but getting out is the right thing to do. Absolutely. I've heard all the excuses in the world. I hear them every day for why I can't leave and won't leave. No. Now, God wants you to leave, and you're going to be able to do it. Let's just get you ready. Mm-hmm. And you do help with the plan, and enough is enough. A step-by-step plan to leave an abusive relationship with God's help. As we talk to psychologist, Christian psychologist, Dr. David Clark. And this conversation, it's so necessary because of the brokenness within our our humanness. And yet we want to make sure that we are living a life that honors the Lord and honors the life that he's given us. And that's why David Clark gets up in the morning is to help us have these hard conversations. Connecting you to Dr. David Clark on our Facebook page. You're listening to Sparkle and Chill on Moody Radio. It's Dawn and Steve in the morning. With Dr. David Clark, Christian psychologist. He's a speaker and author, 15 books, including I Don't Want a Divorce, My Spouse Wants Out, I Don't Love You Anymore, and the one that is helping our conversation today, Enough is Enough, a step-by-step plan to leave an abusive relationship with God's help. Now, that's the sticking point there, Dr. David, and that is with God's help, because oftentimes we find ourselves standing before the church, as it were, saying in front of God and these witnesses, I take you through better or worse, through sickness and in health, till death do us part, And then we get into that covenant relationship and one of us becomes an abuser. When that abuse starts, we go to our church, we say, help, I don't know what to do. And man, the vulnerability that takes to entrust someone with such huge, huge, such a huge situation. And then to be told possibly by our church, no, you've got to go back into that. Try to win your spouse. What do we do how do we look at scripture and get support for separating from an abusive spouse? It is all the way through scripture, Old and New Testament. I'm not sure what what Bible these pastors are reading, but it's not the one I'm reading. We have verses that deal with serious sin, abuse, obviously serious sin. It's one person destroying another person. And if they're kids, he's destroying them too. Matthew 18, 15 through 17, confront stages of confrontation. If there is no repentance, and, and many narcs are not going to, these abusive narcissists, okay, get away. Relationship ended. You, you, you walk away. Romans 16, 17, same exact message. Confront and then get away. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You read those verses. Great description. How many years ago of a narcissistic abuser? The punchline at the end of that clearly 
Paul is indicating these people don't change, Timothy, and you know what you do? Have nothing to do with them. Okay. The, the, the real-life example, God wants to make this so clear it's not even funny. Abigail and Nabal, 1 Samuel 25. She had no rights. In that day, women had no rights. In many churches, women have no rights. But beyond that, it's still America. Back in those days, Middle East, no rights. He could have stoned her to death in front of the entire community, and people would have applauded. And God got her out because he was abusive. That's an example of God saying, I want to rescue you. Beyond that, we have the three biblical reasons for divorce. These are, from God, reasons to break the covenant. In fact, here's the truth. The abuser is the one that's broken the covenant. The woman's going to be blamed. How could you? I can't believe you said before people. Yeah, well, he's the one that destroyed the marriage. He ended it, not me. I'm formalizing what he's already done. And chronic abuse is a biblical reason for divorce. And if it's a reason for divorce, it's certainly a reason for separation. 1 Corinthians 7:15b, other places in Scripture. So that the Bible is incredibly clear beyond the fact, as I mentioned before, Don that, and Steve, that God himself, the loving Father, verse after verse of, I care for you, I love you, I have good plans for you, makes no sense to have him say, no, no, you, you stood up before the church and you said you'd stay, you're going to have to stay. I don't care about you, I don't care about your kids. That is not what God is saying. He's saying just the opposite. And this isn't the first thing you try. When people, God brings people to me with my phone advice sessions, it's end stage. It's been five years, 10 years, 15, 20. Woman has tried everything, including going to the church. Door slammed on every opportunity. Okay, he's already had these chances. Now, let's get you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when we get out, there hopefully is some strategy, a plan to go along with that. Uh, Bill texting this morning from New Mexico, and appreciate your text, Bill. David, uh, Bill is saying, I love and I hate this conversation. It's my two cents here, but he said, I think it is important to leave, but to leave now. So my wife has helped many women leave abusive husbands, and it wasn't a wait and see. It was get out now. The abuser in our experience will fight for the kids because they know control of the kids means control of the spouse. And I think there's probably a part of you that would say, I get the now, but you also say there are some four or there are four key action steps to take before you do separate. What are those four and why is that, that so important? Well, you, yeah, you, you, you're not ready. You're not ready because you're going to get that backlash. I hear what Bill saying, I would love it to be now. Uh, no, if emotional abuse, and that's as bad as physical, no, it's going to take time. You have to build your support system. It may not be your church. It may be another pastor in your area that God's going to guide you to. You're going to have to have a solid attorney to know the ins and outs. You may end up having to file for divorce if God guides you down that road. have to have an accountability person. Uh, have to have family and friends. You start telling the secret and then there's the emotional process of, of, of shredding your co- – I've got a book for everything, uh, as you may have indicated, yeah. 20 Lies That Keep You With Your Abuser. Moody did not publish that book. One of the biggest mistakes in that publishing house's history. I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> offer it to him. We, we, we're self-publishing now. Anyway, but <laughs> we love Moody. But that, that you have to work on your codependency and get strong enough to get the kids ready and get them prepared. And that's the third thing. Get, get the kids ready. Get them prepared. And then – of course, when you leave, of course, all just the nuts and bolts, and this is covered in the book. I'm, I'm a plan guy. Yeah. Place to live, uh, money, first one to the bank. That's why the attorney is important. Even short of divorce, in most states, there are no fault. You're going to take half the money, whatever it might be. But you need to know, I've got to pro- the guy's not going to give you a one red cent when you leave, probably. You're going to have to force that legally, so you mm-hmm. have to be able to take care of yourself. Okay, this, this might take you six to eight months. But see, the light at the end of the tunnel, and see, along the way – 
you're getting stronger, you're getting more assertive in some subtle ways, and so you're, you're kind of building yourself. So when you leave, because, yeah, and the divorce process, yeah, nightmarish. Yeah. If living with this guy is awful, oh, I'm working in a book right now about the divorce process from a narc. Oh, men alive. It, it's going to be very good, I think, but it's, it's just it's a nightmare. So you got to be strong enough to get through that. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, well, so it can't be now. Uh, I don't think so. Well, appreciate uh, your insight into this. And if this is unfortunately your reality as you're listening this morning, you're wondering, what do I do? What would that plan look like? Enough is Enough is the name of David's book. It's a step-by-step plan to leave an abusive relationship with God's help. We want to connect you with David and with this book. So we're going to, uh, we have the link on our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the morning. You brought up codependency. So did one of our listeners. We'll get to that coming up in three, well, just a few moments. Don and Steve in the morning. This is Moody Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Why not take Dawn and Steve with you wherever you go? Download the Moody Radio app. Thanks for listening to us at Dawn and Steve in the morning. And we're talking with David Clark this morning, a Christian psychologist, speaker, and author of a ton of books, including Enough is Enough, a step-by-step plan for leaving an abusive relationship with God's help. You know, David, you had mentioned the fact that we need to have a plan for when we are going to leave an abuser. We also probably need to have a plan for what's going to happen once we do leave. Um, We've got uh, people texting, a lot of people texting in this morning. And Chris, you bring up a good point. You say your codependency is a strong trap. Your mom divorced your dad because of uh, abuse when you were only nine years old, just to turn around and marry into an, another abusive relationship. It, when we do finally get the courage to leave, David, what are the things you need to uh, keep in mind to make sure that you don't walk back into that same kind of scenario? You'll be shocked to know Dr. David Clark has a book for that. <laughs> I, I'm stunned. Yeah. Speechless. I'm glad you're sitting down. Yep. Please, someone hold Steve up, please. <laughs> It's called I Didn't Want a Divorce, Now What? I mean, it's, of course, self-published, but it's, it's, it, you have to heal, not just from the trauma the narc put on you, the abusive narcissist put on you, okay? You also have to heal from all the traumas in your life up to now because traumas aren't separate. They fuse, and if you don't deal with all of them, you don't get rid of any of them. So that's just a clinical psychological truth, okay? This book will guide you through. That's, what Chris, that's why God made Christian therapists like me, to guide you through and to completely heal. Then... You won't choose another loser. You won't. Another narc. Because ladies do that once and then again and then again. If you don't heal, you're doomed. And these losers are everywhere. So, yeah, got to heal and got to get rid of that codependency. That's what the 20 Lies book is about. We're going to shred that codependency. We're going to shatter it because it's holding you back. And it's like being an attractor beam, and it will attract you to the wrong people. Mm-hmm. David, what, wanna... a, what about the person, though, that gets out of a relationship and says, okay, the pain point, it's eased up. I think I got this now. Oh, there's Mr. Wonderful. Let, let me try this one. And, and we find ourselves in another bad situation. Oh, I know. You know what happens all the time. This is not just in America, but across the world. You've got to make sure because falling in love is a wonderful experience. And you know what? But you're, it, they, they, they say love is blind for a reason. You've got to be very careful and very calculating. Now, you're going to be love someone, but you've got to make sure that this person, if you're a woman, is the next Billy Graham. I'm not kidding. Absolutely walking with the Lord. Not a project. Not a guy that will go to church with you. I cover that in the end of the I Didn't Want a Divorce book. Very careful how to spot a winner, how to spot a loser. That's after you've healed. There are key markers so you don't make another mistake. And the right guy will wait as long as you need to. 
And the right guy also will have his own story to tell about mistakes he's made, previous marriage or two, and, and he's healed and he's walking with Lord. You're going to know for sure. This, this has to be a slow-moving train, and it's usually a, a jet-fueled you know, capsule just yep. shooting off, and then disaster happens. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that is the, the reality of far too many people. One of the other things that uh, I've seen play out is that the person does finally get the courage to leave, and they're, they've been separated for a while. And that person that maybe they're still married to, or maybe they did go through a divorce, and they, they um, begin to have to have a relationship with that person because that's, their, that's the kid's dad. They still need to be a part of their life, and uh, they begin to think, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. Or I think maybe he's changed. At what right. po- at what point? What are the markers? What are the things you're looking for, David? Before you even possibly consider reengaging in a relationship with that person? Yeah, good question. This is the Israelites going. You know what? Egypt wasn't that bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's human nature. Yes. Wow. Because life is so hard now. Oh no no. You are looking. If you're looking for. Another person that comes into your life, number one, they have to know and be walking with Jesus Christ. It is not just and – you, and you research that carefully. They, they've got it right now. They're not, not a project. Oh, I, I think I know this Jesus. No, no, no. It's a proven track record. As I said before, they've worked through their own issues, and they can tell you that. All right? it's, and, and it's about they, – they, the right person can admit fault. Narcs never admit fault. Abusers can't say they're wrong. And so that he'll admit when he's made a mistake. And when you have conflict, make sure you have plenty of conflict. Not that you're going to create it. But in any healthy relationship, stuff happens. What you said this morning, I was in a bad mood. I can't believe you'd think that. Whatever. You can work through conflict after conflict. Abusers don't do that. They may do it initially, but they won't keep doing it. And in marriage, you have to keep doing it. I tell Sandy every day, we're going to have some conflict today, and we're going to have to get through it. I don't tell her that. But it happens. Yeah. I say things that I probably shouldn't say. This may be coming across on the radio. I have no filter. I blame my mother. Things come out, and, and we have to deal with it. Okay, well, that's, that's life. Abusers won't do that. Also, meet their people. Take a look at their people, their friends. It is a comprehensive, I mean, checklist that you're going to go through. And if the, if the guy doesn't like that, run screaming down the other side of the street because that ain't the guy. Mm-hmm. The right guy will will do. I love you. I'm I'm a good. Per, I will prove it. I'll take as long as it takes to help you heal. In fact, this brings up another book I wrote. This is like incredible. Honey, we need to talk. Is a book you go through to make sure you got the right guy. Ten areas that you cover. It's interactive. Nobody bought that book, and it's a shame because it's a good book. Uh, yes, all the resources that can help us understand, are we operating from a codependent viewpoint? Uh, is that our behavior? How can we stop it? And how do we know when enough is enough? Dr. David Clark joining us with some really great, although we understand difficult things to face. As a Christian psychologist, he is taking the bull by the horns to bring you to safety This information connected to our Facebook page or text us. It's just too important not to have these hard and difficult conversations. 800-555-7898 or on our Facebook page. It is Don and Steve in the morning, Moody Radio.